The only person that can stop you from doing what God brought you to do is you. Just know when God calls you to do something, no man can stop you. From time to time, we walk around this world like a nomad. We try to be our own man, but we fail to comprehend that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. They say seven days without God makes one week. Now it's all making sense because all I see is defeat out here on Satan's streets. Turn your cheek. Never been a fan to hide and seek. But I remember seeking Jesus at church on Sundays, but then hiding during the rest of the week. I was lost. Time after time, my fellow Christians said Jesus gave it all on that cross. Remember, because these lessons will soon bring you blessings. I'm talking about the transitioning from being a boy to becoming a man. Just know that one day your son will take your hand, and you as a father needs to let him know it's not about where you started, son. It's about where you stand. So while I sit here like a witness at a confession stand, I just want you to understand and comprehend that this love that we got with Jesus is forever. And I ain't talking about a diamond in a wedding band. I finally got to the point where I'm breaking chains in Jesus' name. Rashawn ain't seeking the fame. I just want to be a servant of God. Amen. We're living in a spiritual battle. People that claim Christ, but they failed to live it. People that wanted the love, but they failed to give it. Being rich with no faith doesn't appeal to me. That just isn't real to me. I'd rather be broke with Jesus than praising these false gods front row at the concerts yelling Jesus. If money talks, I'm not listening. Steadily hearing God whispering, focus on me, son. Focus on me. I'd rather be stuck in poverty than be a slave to the paper, refusing to trust in God's sovereignty. Never did I understand the pain, going from city to city, from train to plane. The pain still remains. I lost some of my closest friends to me in this game called life. The difference between you and I, I can see light at the end of my story, all because I'm living in God's glory. Thank God I chose Jesus over all of this, because when we talk about eternity, I imagine bliss. Far from Satan, burning with the wicked, hotter than the skillet, eternal torture in the furnace, screaming, Lord, did I earn this? Nah, I don't want to make it seem like I'm perfect. I just want to say when I gave my life to Christ that I knew that it'd be worth it. I can remember years ago being in this packed auditorium, thousands of people sharing that same spoken word. There was a sea of faces, and people were experiencing God in such a powerful way. And I wanted that. I wanted to be passionate and excited about God just as though these people were. How many of us, wherever you are today, are far from God, and you want to be excited about him again? You want to remember the first things that he whispered into your heart when you came to Christ, when you understood his love, his compassion, his grace, and how he embraced you in the moment that you came to him. How many of us want to truly experience him again today? I believe God has a mighty word for each and every one of you. I remember leaving that stage that night, this packed auditorium, and I get into my empty car, and I began to just ask God to meet me. God, I need you far more than anything else in this world. Why is it that I'm not experiencing you like the people that I just did the spoken word in front of is experiencing you, God? Speak into my heart, God. I love how God's so faithful, how he'll show his goodness through the people. He'll show how compassionate, how gracious he is by, by revealing his love to the same people we're speaking to. And then he'll highlight some of the areas in our life that we need to fix. And that area was my passion for him. So as I was in my car and I began to cry to God, he began to 
softened my heart, one thing, but another thing, he began to put my picture right next to the scripture that he is near to the brokenhearted because people, I was brokenhearted that day. And some of you are brokenhearted today. But I want to let you know that there is a truth from, in God's word. That the, the word of God is the truth. Believe that. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Let me tell you this quick, quick story. This guy, this little kid, I think he about 17 or something. He's not so much a little kid, but he ran up to me here recently. He asked me, how do you get so passionate about God? You're always talking about him. You're speaking about him. You're tweeting about him. You're always talking about God. And I began to tell him, listen, and I asked his, I answered his question with a question. I was like, man, have you prayed lately? Have you read the word of God lately? I said, and he said, no. And I said, there you go. The word of God is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. We need his word. It's the answer to our problems. It's the anchor to our soul. And it's the assurance that he is able and he's faithful to do exceedingly and abundantly over all that we may ask, imagine, or think. The word of God is in some boring, antiquated book. It's a book that's written in antiquity, but it speaks to the specificity of our lives. Have we read it lately? I love the word of God so much because when I read it, it reads me. So if we want to be alive again, wherever you are today, if you want to be passionate again, we can go and look for no further than the Word of God. His truth will transform us. He will take us away from conforming to the ways of the world, and He'll transform our minds, and He'll bring hope into our soul. It's the anchor to our soul. And I want to really just speak to you from the standpoint of revival starts in you. Revival starts in me. So if you, wherever you are, just say revival starts in me. If it's going to be, it's up to Christ who is living in me. Go ahead. If it's going to be, it's up to Christ who is living in me. Me and my wife are getting ready to go to Puerto Rico real soon, and we're super excited. I am Red Bull excited. I'm elated about what's happening in our lives. And I was just talking to her about how comfortable, how safe it's going to be out there and how beautiful, you know, how cool it's going to be. But let me tell you that this book is not cool. It's an intense book, and we have to get into it to find our purpose. It's an intentional book that changes and transforms our life. And if anything, I would want you to do is just stop playing it safe. Because with the Word of God, we understand that His Word tells us from Genesis to Revelation that this is not a comfortable life. And I think everywhere I read in the Word of God that there was fire. There's fire in the Word of God. There was near, we were near the presence of God. Whenever the children of Israel are, whenever the pillar of God came down on people, the pillar of fire, His presence was near. How can we call down? We can call down and ask God to come, come down, a pillar of fire again today in our day, and be excited and elated about God again. So what is revival? I want to strip back the mystery of what's revival? What are we talking about? What's this deal we're talking about, about how we can be passionate for God again? Are we desperate for revival? Do we want to be alive again? Revival means something was alive and then it died, then it it comes back to life again. It means to turn for better, to reestablish. Revival is basically the spark to our, that starts our engine. It's the spark that starts our engine. It gets us going again. Periodically, we all need a new start, right? Wherever in our life, we all occasionally need just a new start. The great evangelist Billy Sunday said this, they tell me revival is only temporary, 
but so is a bath. And that does some good, right? I don't know about y'all, but my wife often, quite frankly, hey, listen, I love you, wife. I know you're out there watching, but I know she oftentimes, she tell me, boy, you need to get in the bath. So sometimes, yes, okay, and I jump in the bath, I listen to her, I love her. But sometimes we need a bath, right? We need to uh, go back into the shower and get changed. That's same with revival. So it's temporary, but it's necessary. We need one right now. We see our world is a world that's full of chaos and people are hurting, they're in pain. So we can call down, we can continue to pray that the grace of God and the power of God will show up in our lives. Many people die spiritually. And the Bible says that all creation is groaning out, groaning out for God. And it says we're an enemy to God. Matter of fact, whenever we don't have Christ, we're literally an enemy to God in our minds. So at this point, I would like to just share with you, listen, Rashawn is up here because he knows he's least of worthy of being here, but I want to bring a lot of glory to God because deep down in my heart, I know that I've had, I've had a, a heart of stone. I, I didn't want to have anything to do with God. I was rebelling against him, but it took me to taste and see that he's good to come back to him. And I'm thankful that he has that much compassion and grace and that he allows us to step boldly towards his throne of grace. And then he, he sets a table for us. And when he sets this table, he has his mercy, his forgiveness, his hope, his joy, the love of Christ that is waiting for us. So wherever you are today, and if you, you just, you're aching for God, you're tired of sinning against him, and you feel empty as though you're not satisfied, God will meet you right where you are. I don't know what season you are in, whether it's dry, it's desolate, you know, you're parched, you're in the desert, and you just want to be quenched. You want, you want to be filled again. Listen, God will meet you there. The Bible says, come and taste and see that the Lord is good. He says, it's the goodness of the Lord that draws men to repentance. The goodness of God will draw you closer to him. He says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. See, sometimes it takes seeing the emptiness of the world in order for him to reveal the preciousness of himself to you. I remember time and time again, I would stride, I would run after things, cars, money, clothes. At the end of the day, it left me void, it left me, it left me empty and vacant. And Jesus Christ said these words, what profits a man to gain the whole world but yet lose his soul? He said, he that wants to keep his life will lose it, but he that loses his life for my name's sake, he shall gain it. Isn't that beautiful? That we can drop everything and we can live a radical life following after Jesus Christ that will lead us to a destiny, a glorious inheritance that's far better than anything this world has to offer. I believe I want to be on fire because of that. The fire of God is in me because the word of God is fire and it's a hammer. It penetrates the hearts of the people's minds and souls and it will change us forever, the course of our lives. And that's, a, that's good news. That is some good news. One uh, man puts it like this. If all the sleeping people would wake up, if all the lukewarm people would fire up, if all the dishonest people would confess up, if all the disgruntled people would cheer up, if all the uh, estranged people would make up, if all the gossipers would shut up, if all the true soldiers would stand up, if all the dry bones would shake up, if all the church people would pray up, we would have a revival in a given moment. How great is that to understand the power and the profundity of prayer? understanding that revival starts in us. It's when we go into our secret place. Listen, the word of God said, a great while before day, Jesus would go off into a solitary place to pray. When was the last time we prayed 
and deeply got on our knees and we truly wanted to experience the heart of God. Oftentimes we chase the hand of God, but we forget the heart of God. The hand of God would be us wanting a revival for our own purposes, wanting a revival just for us, just so we can say we got more numbers in the church. But to ask God with all our hearts and ask him, God, we are desperate for a revival because we know people out here are aching, they're hurting, they're far from you, and there's no life in anything they're chasing. Listen, when you make a resource your source, when that resource dies, you'll die with it, says Josh Ezzy. Praise God for that. And I believe it was the great evangelist Greg Laurie that says this, we cannot organize a revival, but we can agonize in prayer. We can't organize a revival, but we can agonize in prayer. Listen, we can prepare the grounds for revival. We can put all types of Bibles and books on the chairs. We can put graphics up. But listen, let's prepare the grounds for revival. Let's come in here and prayer, pray. I remember a, a, a man, an awesome man of God, came up in front of a congregation, and he, and he said these words. You can tell how popular a pastor is by how many people show up on a Sunday morning. He said, you can tell how popular evangelist is about how many people come to the conference on the weekend. But you can tell how popular Jesus is by how many people show up to a prayer meeting. Whew, have we been praying? Listen, prayer isn't some vague notion. Prayer isn't the monologue to which we make a wish list and we send it off to some cosmic Santa Claus. But prayer is the dialogue, the divine connection between the creator and the creation that can alter and shift the course of our lives. Are we ready to pray? Do we wholeheartedly seek God? Have, have they all turned away? Have we all turned away from him or do we want to be alive? Do we want to understand the importance of being a, ch a child of God and not an enemy of him? Listen, we either can crown Jesus or we can kill him. We can accept him or we can reject him. Today we have to make a choice. Wherever you are today, say amen. Say praise the Lord. I'm going to follow Christ. Put it in the comments. I know you're all over the country. I cannot wait to meet more of you and just connect with you. Shout out to what God is doing right now. I'm so thankful for my life. I'm so thankful for Christ and what he's done for me. I get no glory. He gets all the glory. I remember reading in the scripture, speaking from death to life, knowing that we can go from one moment where we have no hope to pure joy. It changes everything. As soon as our faith has a cataclysmic encounter with God's grace, that's when we'll see his face. As soon as we understand we have no hope, that's when God will show Jesus, the feet of Jesus to come in our situation, and he'll take us to pure joy. That's why he says a believer goes from glory to glory. We go from faith to faith. Whenever we're in the sanctification process and we follow God, we can't stay the same way. Jesus cannot be contained where he's at. Wherever you are, if you're in your car right now, he can't stay in your car. Jesus can't be contained there. He's a fire. He must go forth. He must be bearing fruit all across your, your, your environment, your atmosphere, your situation. Jesus must show up. And we can trust that he will. He says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you in the book of James. He's faithful and he's able. And let's go forth. And I was reading in, uh, actually, I was meeting with uh, Pastor Louis Giglio not too long ago. And it was a bunch of influencers. We're in a circle. And we began to talk about all that God was doing and all he has been doing and all he is going to do. And I began uh, to ask Louis. Matter of fact, I think he just brought it up, which I love, Louis, because it's hard and what he believes for the future. 
He began to share with us, before we can see a revival in our city, in our marriages, in our families, in our churches, in our, before we can see a revival in our states, before we can see a revival in our country, in the world, in the nations, we must see revival in us. That inspired me to write a book about this, man. Like, I just believe it truly impacted me because when we understand that revival is for the church, it's not for the world. Salvation is for the world. But revival starts right in the house of the Lord. It's when one person personally just diligently prays and and cries out to God desperately for revival is when we see it. So let's uh, go ahead and go forth and I want to read you the verse of tonight, the central verse. Everything that I've been saying has been just out of deep conviction of my heart, but right here is the Word of God. And the Word of God is what sets you free. You can take away all that I said tonight. I want you to get this point. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. I believe this verse is a central verse for revival. It's the heart of revival. This principle not only applied to the nation of Israel, but it also applies to our lives, our marriages, any facet of our life, this verse applies to. It's an amazing verse. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways, then I will hear their prayer, forgive their sins, and heal their land. Hashtag, that is some good stuff. That is some really good stuff. What an amazing verse. We want our, heal, our, our land to be healed. We want God to heal our marriages, our relationships, our pain, our shame, our guilt. But God says this, it starts with me, it starts with you. Let's start with four practical points. First point, it starts with me. Everyone, again, say, if it's going to be, it's up to me. If it's going to be, it is up to Christ that is living in me. To Christ that is living in me. Got to make a decision. So God says, if my people, if my people. Therefore, he's not talking about the unbeliever. He's not talking about that we point fingers at other people, our wives, our children, our kids, Hollywood, the White House, even secular society. Not even other Christians. He says we point at ourselves. So I point at me and you point at you. Do we believe that it starts inside of us? I believe every single Believer needs a heart exam, and I'm always checking my heart because I know one day I'm going to stand naked in front of God. I know one day I'm going to stand naked in front of him, and he's going to ask me, yes, I sent you to embrace, but why? Why were you there? You tell me what was your intention, what was your heart? We all need a heart exam. Was it for money? Was it for some type of fame or my own interest, church after church? What do I want to do? with this opportunity that he's given to me. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says this, examine yourselves to see whether or not you are still in the Christian faith. It says, test yourselves. Don't you recognize your people in whom Christ Jesus lives? And it says, could it be that you are failing the test? Hashtag, ouch. Ah, I don't know about you guys, but I'm introspectively always asking myself the critical question. Is my life honoring to God? Am I pleasing him with my lips, my words, my deeds, my action? Is everything bringing him glory? The littlest things to the major things I do in life. Purpose to purpose, little purpose to big purpose. Am I bringing glory to God? I remember reading this book that truly spoke to my heart, and it captivated my mind and my spiritual walk in a magnanimous way. And it said this, the tragedy of this late hour is that there's too many dead men in pulpits giving out too many dead sermons to too many dead people. 
Leonard Ravenhill, a.k.a. We don't need blues clues to understand that. I remember wrestling with that, that, that scripture and asking God, listen, Lord, I need to know what you're saying to me. And God began to, you know, show up and illuminate some things. As I was sitting in a Starbucks parking lot, my wife went in and got Starbucks. I was reading Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14. And that verse said this, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and the light of Christ will shine on you. So my question for you and the question that I have for myself that I want to pose to each and every one of us is, are, is Jesus Christ evident in our lives? Do people see Christ when they see us? Are we loving people with compassion? Are we truly the ones who are falling away, who have just come through these motions, this lukewarm life where we're barely, we're just doing things to get by. We're not truly serving God. We're not tithing and helping people and loving people the way Christ has first loved us and he called us. Listen, let me tell you one thing is that the same love that Christ loved us with whenever he brought us out of the darkness into his marvelous light is the same love that we should give others. He says, love the Lord your God. The first and the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And he says, second, love your neighbors, you love yourself. Is his light, is his love evident in our lives. Second is to humble ourselves and pray. Here's the second point. How desperately do we need revival people? It says, humble ourselves and pray. Anytime I think about the humbleness of God, it immediately humbles me. I fear the Lord, I love the Lord, but one thing that blows my mind is how Jesus Christ, how God took his son from heavenly royalty and brought him down to earthly poverty to live a life just like you and me. He lived a life that we couldn't live and he died a death that we deserve to die. Do we get that? Do we understand that we have this God who emptied himself to become a servant? That blows my mind. I just want to serve him so much more when I understand his humility, his love, his grace, his peace, his compassion, how he embraced me at my deepest, my most desperate time of need. So it says, humble ourselves and pray. In this text, pray, it means this, to judge self-habitually. Oftentimes, we judge others habitually. But the Bible says, do the complete opposite. It says, judge yourself habitually. Have we judged ourselves? Have we examined ourselves through the eyes of God lately? Have we tested ourselves to see if we're still in the faith? For instance, before I lay down at night, I'm always examining my heart because one thing the Word tells us to do, and in Psalms 4, tells us to search our hearts when we lay down at night. Make sure that we're living a life that's honoring to God, bringing Him much glory. A lot of times I renounce my sins, I repent, and I respond to my own altar call right in my bedroom. It's, it's quite a beautiful thing. I love what David says. The psalmist of David says this. In chapter 139, verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. He says, Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. Wow, how full are we? How full are we? Are we half-hearted today? Are we whole-hearted today serving God? Do we want to be passionate again? Just like we're passionate about Starbucks. 
and we're passionate about all of these shopping online and doing all this different stuff, are we seeking God with the same heart? Or do we come into church and we're so ready to get to the golf course? Or we're so ready to get to our jobs? Are we coming and we're worshiping God with all our heart and we're giving it all to him? God, ah, man, this is a sermon for me. I'm preaching to myself today, people. I am preaching to myself because I know that I'm least of worthy. And I need to continue to allow God to speak truth through the grace and the love of Christ. The moment we arrive, the moment we think we've arrived, we're actually allowing pride into our hearts. So we're always working to get better. And some encouragement from Paul that is powerful. Uh, he was at the end of his ministry, was in the book of Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. And he says this, he says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself as yet have arrived and taken hold of it. But one thing I do is forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. He said, I press on towards the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Understand, we're a new creation in Christ when we come to Christ. Therefore, everything we used to do, your sin, your guilt, your past is gone. It's washed away through the blood of Christ. And then you become a new creation. He gives you a new identity, a new purpose, a new, uh, a new understanding that you're accepted by Christ, even if you're rejected by the world. And he gives you this new heart, this new mind to just transform to the ways of his son and conform to the ways of his son. It's a beautiful thing. Complacency is the deadly enemy of spiritual progress. When we become complacent and we're not going from glory to glory, but yet we're sitting in the same place, stuck and stagnant, that's the death of spiritual progress. Are we progressing in our spirituality? Are we being narrow-minded with our life? Are we just, it's great to be narrow-minded with your path, but are we closing ourselves off to all the things of God that he wants to expose us to? See, actually, Jesus Christ said these words. He says, broad is the way to destruction, but he said, narrow is the path to eternal life. Therefore, we can go to Broadway, we can sin and conform to the ways of the world and fall short of the glory of God and continue to fall and not get up. Or we can stand up and we can walk according to the purpose that God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus and we can reach our destiny and leave a legacy. Forget about our history and the misery of the history and focus on our destiny. It's our choice today. What a good word. God is truly faithful. He's faithful. Third point is we must seek his face. There's a difference between praying to God and really seeking his face. Many times we say, okay, God, I'm about to pray. We want a revival. We want to be alive and passionate again for you. And then we'll say, okay, I'm going to go off to lunch. I'm going to go play golf now. Or we can get on our knees and we can cry, God, I need you. I need you more than anything this world offers. I want you with all my heart, my mind, my soul, and everything. I want a revival. I want to be passionate again. And then God will begin to answer our prayers. Jesus said this, In Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. He says, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. In other translations, it says, keep knocking, keep asking, keep seeking. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. We can diligently come to God and just ask and he will give it to us according to his will. In another verse, he says, without faith, to go in your room and pray in that silent, secret place in solitude. Without faith to do that. You actually can't please God because he says anyone, it's impossible to please God because anyone 
who draws near to God must believe he exists and that he rewards those who openly seek him. Are we seeking God today? Do we believe that he will supply every need according to his glorious riches? Okay, fourth point. This is the final point. We're going to land the plane here. Let's go through and review real quick. Okay, first point, it starts with me. If it's going to be, it's up to Christ who is living in me. Therefore, it starts with me. Christ who is living in me. Let's go. Second point is humble ourselves and pray. Examine ourselves, evaluate ourselves, and judge ourselves. I mean, and pray. Pray meaning earnestly pray, passionately seeking God, and with complete dependence upon God. Third point is to seek his face. That we can wholeheartedly and diligently seek the face of God. We must continue to press forward and seek God. Eight, agonize for his heart. Agonize to see his face. Fourth, is to find, fourth and final is repentance. Meaning to turn away from our sins. We're going one direction and we, we, we want to turn around. We want to face another direction and totally go a different direction. Meaning renew our mind. That's what repent means. Re- renew our mind. I love Jesus and his ministry. He started ministry with the words, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, which is powerful. That's how he commenced his ministry. You know, Peter preached repent. Paul preached repent. It's a powerful word, and oftentimes we don't hear it much in the church these days, but it's, a, it's, it's the word that we, it's almost up with faith. It's so important. Jesus preached repent more than anything that I can remember in the scripture. Uh, Are we living in sin today? That's a question that we all need to ask ourselves. Are we still in sin? Are we living in it? Are we just resting in it, getting comfortable in our sin? Listen, if we're in our known sin, God will not hear our voice. All the praying in the world isn't going to help living in in known sin. Understand that the psalmist said this, if I cling to iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And Isaiah 55 says this, It's not that my ear is heavy that I don't hear. It's not that my hand is short that I don't save, but it's your sins that have separated you from me. But here's good news, though. That's good news coming up because in 1 John it says, He that is faithful and not unjust will cleanse us of all our sin and forgive us of all our unrighteousness when we confess our sins. He's a just God. He's a faithful God. And wherever you are today, no matter how far you feel from God, he'll, come, he'll pick you up right where you are. Don't feel as though you're condemned. Listen, the Bible says this. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And understand, when you're in Christ, it changes everything. I love the words of Jesus when he said, He that hears me and he that believes in he who sent me shall not be condemned but cross over from death to life. What Jesus is saying, in one moment, we can go from death to life. We can go from no hope to pure joy. We can go from being a slave to being saved. We can go from chains in our sin, our bondage, to being changed. God changes everything. Jesus changes everything. And we're all so, oh, man, I just, I just love what Jesus does because, listen, he makes an area of your life where, where, where you tend to be comfortable, maybe in your sin. He makes that area, the power of himself, put his feet in that area, and, and he'll change everything. At times, it gets uncomfortable in life. The Bible doesn't say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so we can be comfortable. 
nor conformable to the ways of the world, but it says transform, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. We can start changing our minds again. I heard a preacher once say, I believe it was A.T. Hargrave, either our sin is going to keep us away from the Bible or the Bible is going to keep us away from our sin. Which one is winning our hearts today? Is it the Bible or is it our sin? Maybe that's why we're not passionate for God is because so much stuff is coming in our, our hearts and our minds and it's clouding us from the things of God, his love, his grace, and his mercy. Understand this, that the Bible says, step boldly to his throne of grace. His throne of grace is right here. He has his love, his forgiveness, his mercy, his, his faithfulness, his goodness, his gentleness. It's all sitting right here. His peace, it's all right here. But most importantly, when we draw closer to this table, we have Jesus sitting on the other side. And he's waiting to commune with us, to love us, to meet us there and give us life. Jesus was the word. The word of God generates life. The word of God is God breath. We can have life again. Sin is death. Sin separates us from God. We all got to understand that there's going to be a time where we're going to leave this earth. The moment we're born was the moment we start dying. Understand either tomorrow, this is the, pretty much could be the last day we can make the decision whether we're going to follow Christ or not. Where are we going to be 99 years from now? Here's the good news is that God, he sent his one and only son to die on the cross so whoever believes will not perish but have eternal life. How great is that? Is that we, we, first we must accept that we've fallen short, we've sinned against God in our mind or even in our hearts or even what we've done. But he'll wash it away. He'll cleanse it because of his son Jesus has already come and paid the price. That's some good news, guys. And when we confess our sins, it says, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and Savior and that he rose from the dead, and you will be saved. What a great, great word. I love, I love God and his faithfulness. So to conclude with this message, I just want to truly just share with you, to pray in known sin is to hang up the phone with God, but... Whenever we confess our sin, we can talk to God again. I love Adam's book, Talking with God, because listen, we truly can just talk to God anytime, anywhere. But he wants us to confess, talk to him about the the ugliest, most deepest places. God doesn't care if you're right. He cares if you're honest. You don't have to be right. Jesus already was right. He said, it is finished. It's done. We can go to God with everything. Step boldly to his throne of grace. He didn't say half step or even run the other direction. He said, if 99 sheep was with me, I will leave and go get that one that left. Maybe you left the church. He will come and get you. He's already pursuing you. But just turn around, repent from your sin and come to God. I preach like a dead man preaching to a lot of dead men and women because we're all going to die one day. We're all going to meet this this King of kings and Lord of lords, and we're going to be naked before him. He's going to judge everything that we've done. He's gonna get, we're going to have to give an account for every word and deed and action that we've done in this life. And if he doesn't see the blood of Jesus, there's two places we can go when we die. It's either heaven or hell. It's either smoking or non-smoking. I choose non-smoking. I want to see the face of God, but I want to be found blameless. I want to, be, say, I want to hear that good, good and well done, faithful servant, instead of depart from me, I never knew you. Where are we today? Guys, wherever you are, I just want you to know I love you, and God loves you. Go ahead and share this with a friend. 
You know, speak into somebody's life today and, and just turn to God wherever you are. He loves you and he cares for you.